The Spiel is sponsored by TimeWellSpent.org. Who wants to remind you, any time spent playing games is time well spent. From their padded cell in Columbus, Ohio, this is The Spiel, episode 33, Origins. Welcome to The Spiel. My name is Stephen Conway. And I'm David Coulson. And we are out of our padded cell. They've let us out and moved us one Woo-hoo! state over. We are in our stately uh, manor here at uh, the Crown Plaza Hotel in Maybe Columbus, Maybe out of Ohio. the cell, but still in straitjackets, though, yeah. baby. <laughs> they don't let us wander too far afield <laughs> here. We are at Origins Game Convention here in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we have survived day one. Barely. How are you feeling over there, Dave? Oh, I'm trying to keep my eyes open, barely. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. <laughs> it's been a grueling and exhausting but but really fun uh, first day at Origins. We're going to be here for the whole weekend, and we're going to kind of give you our impressions as this episode goes on of, of each day, as well as assault you with uh, as many interviews and interesting people and even some listeners who have uh, joined us very on cool. some, some games here at Origins. So, um that's something to look forward to. That's the whole basically episode is just going to be a festival of, of info. Just and, a flood of origin stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, we got some unfinished business to take care of both before and after the, the origins meet of the episode exactly. here. So if Stephen and I ever come to you with some hunches about a particular horse in a race... Don't, don't don't believe us. Don't listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> if if you have been listening, um, last episode, episode thirty two, was the special Spiel des Jahres episode, and we made our predictions based on having played all five games, and tried to get in the minds of the jury, and and we ended up getting in each other's. <laughs> <laughs> no, heads. no, get out. <laughs> and ended up predicting the same exact darn games with uh, our predictions, but. Boy, could we have been any more yeah, wrong? We, we weren't any farther off. It was amazing. Obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, the actual correct uh, winner was Zularetto. Um, a great, great little game. Um, great entry level for any yes. any age gamer, any level of gamer. And I think that's probably what, in the end, vaulted it to the top. Yes. Was I, the fact that... Uh, I think even if you hadn't played this game, you could be playing this game five minutes after you opened it. It's it's that simple, but it still has some very elegant mechanics. Um, even though those mechanics weren't super original, yes. um, because they were heavily borrowed from um, the the author's earlier games, Colorado and Colorado Amazonas. Yes, you know, but um, a which gr- seem I mean seems odd since the jury member that we talked to right. said that they sort of value new mechanics and not sort of rehashing older things. Right. That's a little bit of a head scratcher to to me. Right, exactly. Least. Not not trying to make any excuses, but that, no. but that was my um, I believe Zuloretto was the first game out of the list for me. I kind of removed it because it wasn't as original as some of the other games. You know, I mean, yeah. it was. 
darn close in several mechanics to earlier versions. Yeah. So I just kind of removed it. Not not a bad game at all, but I just you know thought for the award using the criteria that exactly. they set out. It didn't seem. I mean, that to me, I I know on the forums I'm sort of sounding like a broken record, but I just if you put Isfahan and Zularetto on the scales, it seems like. Isfahan has all those accessible qualities that Zularetto has, but it has a more unique mechanic, right? And you know, has it seems to fulfill more of the criteria than uh, Zularetto did. Um, but I mean, all that all being said, Zularetto is a fine, fine game, and, and I right. know that a lot of people will enjoy it. My other big gripe is the fact that people say, "Oh, well, the Spiel des Jahres has to." be for you know family it has to be accessible for families and somehow family style games has been become equated with, into, into simplified rules and i don't right. think i don't i just don't buy that argument i think that there are plenty of families out there who can handle uh, not you know we're not talking democker level right. of complication exactly. but something like Jenseits von Theben even has you know Yes, there is that hurdle, that barrier to entry, where it is a little bit more complicated than something like Zularetto. But to me, if the Spiel des Jahres has a, an award for kids' games, it seems like that kind of opens the field, should open the field wider right, to, to games. Slightly with, deeper games, exactly. And it seems like in certain years they have. I mean, uh, what's the third and taxes? Third and taxes. Seems you know. to fit that sort of slightly deeper mold. So right. maybe it's just this particular jury, and and you know, I mean, you can't. These were all really interesting yeah. games, yeah. so I, I can understand why it would have been a tough choice. I'm definitely very happy for Zularetto. Yes, um, because its author has been around for many years and has done many many games, and all even though he's very popular, I don't think he's ever kind of received the accolades, the recognition that like he this. So, so it's great to see him finally actually win this. Well, I think even from uh, our buddies at Time Well Spent, I noticed something on their side about uh, the first printing is, is basically almost gone. Wow. And they're actually going to do a second printing, and that's not going to be even available until this fall. So, I mean, there shows the impact of probably winning the Spiel des Jahres. This game suddenly, you know, basically yeah. the whole first print run is gone like that. And, that I mean, that's a great thing because getting that game into more people's hands is is good. Very. And, you know, we can quibble about who deserves what, but in the end... We're happy that any of these games get a little more, you know, sales and a little Absolutely. more attention because yeah. they're they're very worthy of that attention. So, so in a nutshell, even though we were completely wrong <laughs> and not even close, we had so much fun doing this. Yes, and we've got a lot of feedback from you guys. So this will be an annual episode. Yes, the Spiel des Jahres episode. Uh, the only thing that will hopefully change is that now we'll know it farther in advance. <laughs> it won't be a week from, hey, this is a great idea to getting the episode out to you all. Well, it will be much easier on us. It, the impact on you won't be any different, hopefully. It'll be still be a good episode, but, but we'll uh, be a little more organized Slightly next year. saner, exactly. <laughs> well, enough uh, rehashing old history. Let's move on to, to new stuff here. Uh, the first quick reminder is just there will be a Name That Game contest, a new one, in this episode. So be listening for those new listeners who might not know what we're talking about. It's uh, our great little puzzle quiz game where you can win a free copy of Rage, the card game, uh, courtesy of Fundex Games. And Dave, fill them in on what the, the deal is with Name That Game. So remember, the cool thing is the clue in this particular mm -hmm. little segment can be anything 
from an audio clue, a musical clue, maybe it's just a little poem. You never know what it's going to be, but regardless of what the clue is, it's always going to lead you to think of the name of a particular game. And all you have to do when you can figure out that game is send Stephen and I an email either at dave at thespiel.net or stephen at thespiel.net. And um, in the subject line, just put name that game and type us exactly what you think the name of the game is. <laughs> and uh, all the uh, the first person to respond with the uh, correct yep. answer, it's a first come first serve thing. So you got to be fast. Is going to win a free copy. And this free. one is kind of special, right? Uh, this one is very because special. in addition to a copy of Rage, you're also going to receive a copy of uh, Elementalis. Exactly. Uh, uh, friend and listener who had sent us a copy of a, a game that he's self-publishing. Um, he's interested in getting some feedback and, and sending a copy of his game out to the winner. So this lucky winner is going to get not one, but two Awesome. And I believe games. this is his kind of like new revamped version with new, new rules, rule sets think, and yeah. everything. And it's kind of like a greed-style game on steroids with cards. And it's it's really so funky. Fantasy, so. magical theme. It's yeah. really interesting. Uh, so you know, you've got two games to look forward to if you're able to manage to to get in our heads. Uh, the other good thing about this contest, we have to give a little props to our friend Mark, who Absolutely. is the puzzle meister behind uh, this one. Mark yep. Weaver is provided the puzzle for Name That Game this week, so kudos so no, to Mark. No hate mail to us this time. <laughs> yeah, Woo-hoo. send it all. If you to don't Mark. like it, it's our friend Mark's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a little more housekeeping, but we're going to save that for the end because we don't want to belabor the point before we actually jump into the origins content. Sweet. We're eager to get to it, so. I think it's time to just let loose. So, Dave, Origins Day One. Uh, what what are your what were your initial impression impressions when we arrived, and now that you've spent a day here, you know how has that changed, or or what do you uh, think now that you first spent of all, a day? I feel very privileged. <laughs> To have made it here live since you decided to set the cruise control for 85 miles an hour. <laughs> hey, we got here. All the way over here. We got here in two and a half We hours. did make record time. Yeah. I <laughs> was a little late. I'm like, how did we get here so fast? He goes, well, I was kind of going 85. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> now, Dave's usually the lead foot, so exactly. don't let him kid you otherwise. <laughs> um, so far, the day has been awesome. The days, I mean, in, in a nutshell, we've met tons of people. We played tons of games. We saw tons of games. That's it. See you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, I mean, any convention is kind of an, an assault on the senses right. because you have all these various activities going on around you as well as, you know, the games themselves and the people who are just always endlessly fascinating for <laughs> a variety of reasons, right. costumes and and otherwise, but... Uh, I thought one of the funniest things was we got spotted by a listener. We hadn't been at Origins what five minutes we had walked into the little we were feeling very full of ourselves with our press badges and had walked into the press room and had walked out and heard well hello there spiel guys and sure enough it was uh what uh, carlos Carlos hernandez Hernandez, one of our listeners i know we're not going to remember every possible listener that we saw we'll probably mention a few you know names just as we're going just because we appreciate so much the people coming up right. and like, hey, Spiel guys. And that's just, you know, it's a huge... It might have been that <laughs> we have 
T-shirts that say <laughs> "cute the, the spiel. spiel." Exactly. They're they're big. They're bright. The only thing they're missing is like a neon, neon. flashing <laughs> sign. <laughs> exactly. That's true. But that was it was a tremendous ego pump, definitely. To uh, we hadn't been there five minutes, and, and somebody was already wanting to come up and shake our hand and say, "Hey, that's cool." Exactly. Um, but maybe give people an idea of since we've been to Gen Con and we've been to Origins now. Size, scale, how how does it compare? Not not that we're starting trying to say pit one against the other exactly. and say one's awesome and one's not because that has that's not the point right. of what we're trying well, to the, do. Well, the the first thing you notice right off the bat is the size, just the sheer number of people first yes. that are in attendance. Um, you you have room to walk down the hallways. Yes, you have room in the dealers' room to walk around and see stuff. Um, but by the same token. With that less people, it it feels more homey. Yeah, the atmosphere. Intimate's probably not the right yeah, word, exa- but it kind of, it almost is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's kind of a fun, a neat feel. You know, it's you want you want to feel like it's a little more kind of your own private little you yes. know thing rather than elbows and knees and you know sometimes at a bigger convention you might feel like if you're talking to one of the dealers in the dealer room that if there's a big crowd around you don't really you're monopolizing their time and you realize they need to be dealing with lots of people and it was really enjoyable it's actually a strength not a weakness of origins i would say that you have more sort of face time or one-to-one contact with other people attending the convention, as well as people in the dealer's room, you can sit and have an extended conversation or sit down and really get into a, a demo if right. you want to and not feel like you've got people breathing down your neck going, get up, buddy, I'm ready to play <laughs> as soon as you're you know done playing. So that's to me, that was a real positive right. aspect. So, so the first thing we did, we uh, came up to the room, unloaded our junk, and then, of course... Headed out to the dealer room, right? Which, even though we have a hotel that's attached to the convention center, it took us maybe twenty minutes to find out where the heck it was because it was it's pretty big it was a hoof. hoof. Yeah, it's pretty big hoof. So we got in the dealer's room. Um, great, great room. We started like walking up and down the aisles, checking out all the booths. Uh, we've got like like we said before, got a lot of great interviews with yeah. a lot of great small and big game companies that I think that's really you guys most, are really going to enjoy. The most exciting part to me was right. finding all those those really interesting uh, booths that you just don't know what you're going to find until you get right. there. And you're like, ooh, okay, we want to come back and talk to you and you and you. Right. And I think we've got and, a really the, good lineup coming up for the you. The people and the characters manning those booths, whether they be the authors of the games or designers you know, or artists or whatever, they just are so happy to do the interviews and let everybody know about their games and yeah. stuff. That's it's never you don't feel like somebody's going, No, I don't have time for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like they just clear the schedule and give you as much time as, as you need. We should probably make just sort of a collective thank you to everybody who took right. the time out to, to do it. I mean we thank them individually but just overall they right. were very gracious and accepting and, and you know, didn't drop a hat. You know, at the drop of a hat, they were ready to talk to us. You know, for as long as as they really wanted, and as long as as we had the time to talk to hear them. So that was exactly. really nice of everybody to to really pitch in and and bring that information to you all too. So um, I think I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we can cut that out. Yeah. Um, what do we need to say. So basically, after spending, we'll see, when we finally got into the dealer's room, it was, I would say, 11 o'clock, maybe? Yeah, it was around there, Something yeah. like that, and we closed it down, 
So we were there till six o'clock. Right. Seven straight hours, and our puppies were burning. Whew. So we're like, you know, we need to get some food. Yes. So we came back to the hotel room, kind of gathered our stuff, and of course, first day at Origins, what do you eat? Sushi. sushi. So we decided to go out and grab some sushi. There's a little sushi place like right here by the uh, literally convention the hall. Street, yeah, right yeah. across there. Awesome. We go in there. We sit down. This is one of those sushi places that has little conveyor belts, which we had never done before. That is just so ultra cool. The little <laughs> plates moving by you, very cool. While we were sitting there, um, in the table, like one table down, was uh, Mike, Mike Selinker and uh, Richard another Richard Borg and another one. Very cool. It's awesome to be, you know, eating in the company of designers of that quality. We were, we were being totally the fanboys going, that's that's Mike Zellinger. That's Richard Borg. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but it's kind of cool, too. Exactly. So we sit down to eat. The unfortunate part about the meal oh, man. was that for the small amount of sushi that we ordered, it was two hours. Two valuable two game hours away hours. from board games. <laughs> it killed us. We were we were like, could we get our what was it called? The grilled the, girl, the, the spicy girl, the roll. spicy girl roll. Yeah, <laughs> baby. So so we, that was just insane, crazy. So then we decide, okay, we're finally done with the sushi. We head back. We want to check out the auction because there's a, a smaller version of the auction than than it than is at Gen Con, but yes. it's still very cool. Yeah. Um, they also have an auction um, store. store, which is very similar to Gen Con. So we checked out the store, had a great selection of games in there for some great prices. The, really good the thing that I think that you noticed right off the bat that differs from Gen Con is the prices on the games in the auction store um, lower from day to day. So if you see this game in the store on Thursday, it's going to cost one thing. If like it's $20. Still, if it's still there by Friday, it might be down to 15 If it's still there by Saturday or Sunday, it might be down to 5 or 10 bucks. <laughs> so if you're like, oh, I really want that, but I'm really I'm willing to play the odds and see if it's still hanging out here on Sunday, yeah. that's kind of cool. I got my eye on a couple things in there exactly. that I might end up picking up just because... I want them to drop in price a little bit. I'm being a cheap ass. <laughs> exactly. And even though our understanding of the auction is that it's run by a different company, I found it interesting that I recognize a couple, a couple of the auctioneers that look like they might float from company to company you know, yeah. to do the auctions because obviously they have the expertise yeah. in that. I thought it was great that they actually had a real auctioneer. Absolutely. I thought that was awesome because the Gen Con one, it's sort of very... That's actually kind of lame, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit lame because it's just sort of okay, five, and now six, and exactly. And just it makes the, there's more energy in the room when you've got somebody up there doing the right. thing. That so that was cool. Yeah, that was ultra cool. And then I think our last sort of stop where we finally settled in and rested our feet for the rest of the uh, the evening was the boardroom, which is um, a special. Uh, area that you have to buy a ribbon in addition to your badge, which allows you into most of the convention to go into the boardroom, which is this big sort of an, basically an open gaming area, but you have to have a, this little ribbon to get right. into. And I think it's sponsored by the Columbus Area Board Gaming Soci- I may, Society. I may be getting the name right. wrong, but it's a Columbus Area group of gamers um, and it's very cool you can check out any game you want and play you might be able to find people there who've already know how to play the games absolutely um, but I mean they have a huge collection and uh, we actually met up with some listeners and got to play uh, we actually kept our, our copy of Yen uh, von Theben a little longer than <laughs> than we might have uh, should have 
kept it from Jay Tummelson, who was so nice to, to work that out for us. But we got to play uh, Yen Sites with some listeners and some uh, the, the hosts of uh, uh, the Metagamers yep, podcast absolutely. and met Tom Vassell and Scott Nicholson and, and lots of other podcasters while we were up in there and had a grand old time playing board games until the that wee was... hours of the morning until basically right Except now. Except <laughs> if, if anybody knows... Our our listener Mark Wilder. Uh yes. Don't play games with him. Yeah, he cheats. Yeah, because we played two games and he <laughs> won both of them. Yes. And I'm, going away. I mean, he wasn't even close. No, I'm pretty sure he was cheating. Yeah. I'm not sure how. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great time yeah. playing games with with him and it, it was, was very fun. What was that second game? That was space, space dealer. Tr- space, space dealer, dealer with a little time. That sand game timer. is wacky. Yeah. Man, I'm not sure. I I'm not sure what to think about it. It's totally free form. The game only lasts 30 minutes. You've got sand timers, and every action you take involves you turning over a sand timer, waiting for it to run out so you can now take that action. Yeah. <laughs> Just wacky. One of these days, we're going to have to tell the uh, Dave and his sand timer collection story. But yeah. Luckily, one of those days is not going to be anytime <laughs> soon. So, here we are. End of day one. We've played several cool board games. We've met a lot of interesting people. And uh, we have our um, podcast seminar discussion panel thing that starts tomorrow, morning. tomorrow That's with all be... the other podcasters. It should be interesting. And then we'll we'll have more interviews and things. And uh, I think this is maybe time to turn it over to all the all the plethora of interviews that we've done throughout the the days. And you'll get to see all the different interesting characters that we've met. Exactly. Over the course of the con, and then at the end, we'll wrap it up with kind of our, our closing remarks and let you know how day two went at Origins. So, sounds cool. Here we go. So I'm here at Blood and Cardstock Games with Joan Wendlin, and um, tell us what you can about Blood and Cardstock Games and uh, the kind of games you have, and uh, what all you do here. Well, Blood and Cardstock likes to make simple, fun games that can be taught and learned and played in an hour, uh, rather than reading a rule book for a few weeks and spending, you know, 12 hours campaigning. Uh, they're mostly family-friendly games. Uh, we have a Hollywood game, a dream game, an invention game, and we publish the Sluggy Freelance card game, which is based on the webcomic Sluggy Freelance. Which, which is, is a great webcomic. It's a wonderful webcomic with nine years' worth of back history, which can be read at free at sluggy.com. <laughs> well, uh, what are some of the titles in specific that, uh, that you have to offer here at Blood and Cardstock? Well, our original game was Showbiz Shuffle, which is a Hollywood game with some lovely caricatures, art by Lara D'Souza, a very famous Canadian artist. And you're trying to be a studio executive and make the most money in a simulated year in Hollywood by making movies, bringing them to the box office, and making some more movies. We have a dream game called Counting Z's, which is a very surreal game where you try to get a good night's sleep with pleasant dreams while other people try to wake you up and give you nightmares. <laughs> that sounds great. It is. It's a lot of fun. And we have sort of an apples-to-apples-meets-junkyard-wars game called Ex Machina, where you have to make impossible inventions for unreasonable customers out of insufficient parts. (laughs) So you get seven cards with varying degrees of usefulness, everything from palm leaves to a particle accelerator, and out of this random pile of junk, someone says, build me a teleporter, and you have to fudge it quite a bit. (laughs) My father made a teleporter out of dry ice and socks. (laughs) I said, I don't quite get that, Dad. And he goes, well, it's very simple. 
you take the dry ice and you make the socks so cold they become super conductive. Now there are no resistance between your feet and where you're going, so you're there. And you can't argue with that kind of logic. Yeah. Uh, but everybody presents their teleporter, and the judge decides which is the best teleporter. Then there's a little card accounting, and then the next person becomes the new customer and asks for a new thing like a cloning machine. And you still can't make it, and you still have to lie. <laughs> Uh, that's a fun party game for four to ten players. I really like the uh, graphic design on those cards. They have sort of a 1950s-ish sort of feel to them, to me. Well, what we were shooting for was the 1964 World's Fair Family of Tomorrow. Oh, excellent. I can totally see that, yeah. Yeah. And, and the lovely thing was when I spoke to my artist, I said, this is what I was picturing. He's like, oh, thank God, because that's what I was picturing. <laughs> Great minds. Yes, yeah, so we didn't have to argue about it. And the incredible thing is the art from... Showbiz Shuffle, which is supposed to look like Hirschfeld's. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's by the same artist that did Ex Machina, which is supposed to look like the 1964 World's Fair. And it's the same artist that did the Dream Game, which is supposed to look like those wacky old Warner Brothers cartoons right. uh, where, the, where they go into the weird dimension where the eye is floating. <laughs> now, Sluggy Freelance Game, which is called Get Nifty, of course, all the art there is done by the artist of Sluggy Freelance, Pete Abrams. Right. And the game design on that is Rob Balder, whereas I designed the first three games. Oh, okay. So how long have you been in business? I see. We incorporated in 2002. We came out with our first game in 2003. And uh, then we had one in 2004, 2005, 2006. So about a, had, a game a year then, well, basically? Well, this year's been a little dry because we've had some family things going on. It's a very small company. Mm-hmm. And if you have any family problems, that'll really oh, sure. mess you up. But we have a couple of games that are currently in design that we're going to start playtesting as soon as my husband stops relapsing into pneumonia, oh. uh, which one would hope would be this time for good because he's done it three times now. <laughs> you can see why I might not have a game oh, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. at, at this point. Um, so, yeah, the question is whether or not we'll come out uh, with... Uh, well, I don't want to give anyway any trade secrets, but Game sure. A or Game B. They're, okay. They're both looking pretty good right now. Uh, game A, I started earlier, but it's more complex, so I think Game B might be debugged first. Okay. So it may be uh, next. And then uh, we'll see about illustration, because Laura D'Souza now illustrates two very popular webcomics, mm. and it's harder and harder <laughs> to get his get time. It. He does Least I Could Do and In Search of Party. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Hey, Laura, how about some low-paying work in the game industry <laughs> instead of your high-paying work in webcomics? Thank God Lar loves games. Good thing. Yes, we Forever. love Lar. Yes, maybe if we butter him up, he'll, he'll work harder for us. So where can people uh, buy your games? Well, we are in distribution. Okay. So you can probably go to any game store and say, I would like this specific game, and they will be able to get it for you. Excellent. In addition, we are at bloodandcardstock.com, which has hyphens before and after the and, so blood-and-cardstock.com. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for letting us know about uh, this whole lineup of games, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to be really interested in uh, checking them out. Oh, well, that would be absolutely wonderful. We, we like customers as well as LAR. <laughs> Thanks for this chance. Well, we are here in the Game Science booth with Colonel Lewis Zaki, and we're just going to ask him to give us a little insight, his background. For those of you who don't know, Game Science makes all kinds of dice. They have been for years. And so we're just going to ask Lewis, uh, what, what got you started with dice? What's your background in dice? 
I was the first distributor of Dungeons and Dragons in the United States. Uh-huh. And you couldn't sell Dungeons and Dragons without the dice. Absolutely. And I found out where the dice were coming from an educational supply company in California. And so <clears throat> because I was the first and the biggest distributor TSR had in those early days, it was a race between TSR and I as to who was going to get <laughs> the next shipment of dice. So I would order 500 sets of dice. TSR wouldn't have any. Or if they got their order in first, I wouldn't get any. And so I kept writing to the guy who was selling us the dice saying, can I get a better deal? You know, like you sell me a package of five. What if you just sold me all the fours in a big bag and I made up my own? And finally one day he said, I'm tired of you hammering at me for a better discount on the dice. Why don't you just go make your own? (laughs) And you did. So I I thought, all right, I will. But the dice that they were making was made out of a very soft plastic and the edges would break down quickly, uh-huh. and the dice would self-destruct within six months. So I went to a friend of mine who was a tool and die maker, and I showed him what I was selling, and I asked him, you know, how can we do this? And he said, well, Lou, the first thing I'm going to tell you is you can't make them cheaper than they're coming out of Taiwan. Uh, right. So what we have to do is we have to beat them on quality. And I know a formula that comes from a high-impact plastic that will cause these units to soldier on year after year after year. So what we got to do is play quality against their low price. And so we started making dice, and uh, even though we sold them for a dollar a dice, people were willing to pay the extra money because they knew these dice would soldier on without deterioration, and they have been doing that ever since I started. Excellent. Now, what made you... How did you come up with all the difference? I know you started with the standard polyhedrals. Yeah. But we, then from there, you branched out to some pretty crazy dice. Well, we started out with a 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, and 20, because that's what you needed for Dungeons & Dragons. Right. And that was the biggest market call. But um, I was at a convention, and one of my competitors had told everybody that when he comes to the next convention in Lake Geneva, he was going to have a 30-sided dice. I went home and cut out all kinds of shapes of cardboard and pasted them together with scotch tape, trying to figure out how to make a 30-sided dice, and I couldn't. And so finally, uh, when I saw him at the convention, I was shocked to see what a beautiful layout it was. And I said, Roy, this is the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. You know, it's really marvelous. And he took lots of bows for it. Later, I discovered that that shape was created in 1780. All right. Uh So Roy had not invented the shape of the 30-sided dice, but he was taking all the bows for it. Oh, yeah. And so I thought, well, the next most useful shape would be a 100-sided dice. And so I started working at trying to figure out how can you make a 100-sided dice. And I spent three years going up one blind alley after another until I finally solved the problem. And then I sent the the answer. Well, I thought I had the answer when my, my wife said to me, look, Here's the Euler's formula, R plus V equals E plus 2, you know. <laughs> and what the hell does that mean? Well, the, you know, the vertices plus edges equals, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, it's faces plus edges equals vertices plus 2. Right. And so, you know, and I, I said, oh, to my uh, die maker, right, here's what I want, you know. And I said, here's the formula, just lay it out for me. And he said, the hell with that, tell me how many elements do I put at the North Pole? Do I put one? Do I put three? Do I put four? And how many do I put in the ring around it? And how many in the ring around that? And how many in the ring exactly. around Exactly. And so all of a sudden, you know, like, I couldn't answer that question. 
So Euler's formula was a blind lead, but it gave me a lot of hope. Then I started counting all the dimples on a golf on ball, a golf ball exactly. in hoping that I'd find a golf ball that had 300 <laughs> dimples and I could make you could come on, exactly. 100 little triangles. But that turned out to be a blind lead also, and I counted lots of golf ball dimples. Oh, I imagine. So that was a that was a dead end. But eventually, um, I was telling a friend of mine, well, you know, you could take a 10 by 10 piece of paper and grid it off into one inch squares. And if you can do that, if you could do that with a with a piece of paper, why couldn't you do it with a sphere? And he said, "Well, the, but the formula for spheres is four times pi equals or whatever. I don't remember now what it was, right? Uh-huh. But I I didn't have enough math skill to work it right, and so I still couldn't figure out how to divide a sphere into 100 equal parts. And then he said to me, "What you need." It's one of those perfectly clear glass globes that a fisherman uses to hold his net aloft from the waters, right? And then you fill it with 100 ball bearings, and you spin this thing at a speed where the centrifugal force forces all the ball bearings to cover all the available area, and you get a special high-speed camera to take a photograph of that, and you count them, and then you'll have your answer. Genius. So did you do that? No, because A, I didn't have a centrifugal force machine. B, I didn't have the clear glass globe. C, you'd have to know beforehand how many, uh, what size ball bearings you need to put in there to fill up all the available area so there was no space left over. Am I making sense? Absolutely. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that because I'm a magician, there was a very simple magic trick that I do that had everything I needed to solve this problem. And so the first attempt that I made, I came up with uh, a 76-sided dice. And I said, holy crow, this is really close. And I changed one more element, and I got and my 100-sided dice formula from that. Wow, excellent. So I went to a game convention where Steve Jackson was, and I said, uh-huh. Steve, I, I had this 76-sided uh, or 79-sided dice, you know. But he said, Lou, he said, you could have made a fortune with that. I said, no, you don't understand. Nobody wants a 79-sided dice. And when you have an odd number, the number you have rolled is flat down on the table. And he said, that's exactly my point. You sell them that 50-cent dice, and then you sell them the $400 glass top table with the $300 French mirror that goes underneath because the numbers are all printed in reverse. That's so great. I have missed my chance to make a right, fortune exactly. out of should have stuck with the 79-sider. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. So that's kind of the history of the 100-sided die. Well, huh? that's, yeah. And then and then later I, I got to thinking about, you know, like nobody in this industry has a five-sided dice. So I made a five. Absolutely. And nobody made a three. So I made a three. And I patented the name three. I patented the name five. Uh-huh. I got a patent on the 16-sided dice on the 24. You follow where I'm going? Absolutely. And so now I've slammed the door. So if somebody else makes a three-sided dice, I don't care what they call it. They can't call well, it a, a three-sided because di- that's my name. Exactly. You know? Now, for our listeners, do you have a website or someplace where they can look for your dice other than coming to conventions? Or I, I don't have any computer skills, but I have a, a company that's working very closely with me who's talking about buying out Game Science. Oh, okay. And they have GameScience.com okay. as a website, and they sell a lot of Game Science dice through that site. Excellent. Okay, great. Any, um, any last words that you would like to tell our listeners about anything exciting coming up in game science or or is the fact that you uh, might have a chance to sell to this other company the big news well that's kind of yeah the, I, uh, uh, 
I think you're the first outside source to know that he and I are that serious okay, about putting excellent. it all together. And uh, we're the only people who have a three-sided, a five-sided, a 14, a 16, a 24, a, a 7, and a 50. Uh, no other company has all those shapes as well as the 100-sided dice. So if you're finding those dice, they're Game Science dice. Yeah, they are. And the other thing about the Game Science dice is uh, we have more luster and fire and sheen coming from the inside of every one of our dice than any of the dice made by our competitors. So if you were at this convention and you looked at the dice other people have, you'll notice a big lamp on them to try to make them look lustrous, right? I don't have a lamp because my dice are naturally lustrous, and they soldier on year after year and don't show wear, whereas the dice by other sources have the edges breaking down. So so this is one of my dice after two years, and this is a competitor's dice after six months. You can see there's a lot (laughs) more wear. Huge difference, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time, and I know our listeners are going to be very excited to hear all this information. So uh, thank you again, and hopefully we'll maybe meet at the the next uh, game convention. Yeah, I just realized after I did the five-sided dice, I got a letter from a hospital in uh, Baltimore they wanted to buy seven dice to use for research in Alzheimer's disease. Oh, they really? didn't explain to me how they're going to use it. But, but they just needed seven, yeah, the seven seven, fi- seven five-sided seven dice. Seven five-sided dice. Yeah, hmm. so I was really pleased to find out that, you know, here was something I had designed for recreation, and now it's going to actually have a, an application that's practical and useful. That's excellent. That's pretty cool. We'll have to learn, see yeah. what they're, exactly how they're using that. That's pretty neat. Well, thanks again for your time. Thank My you pleasure. very much. Okay. I'm Mark Wilder, and I listen to The Spiel. So we are here at the Blue Panther Games uh, booth with Stephen Jones. Uh, you're the owner and President. Uh, game designer, chief bottle wa- cook and bottle washer, I assume, as well. Grand Poobah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, the most interesting thing that I can say about uh, your games is they're just as unique a game as you're going to find here at Origins. Well, they're, they're gorgeous. We should let actually we, we should let we should let, let Stephen uh, give you the, the lowdown here. Tell us about your company and tell us about your games. Well, Blue Panther is a company that started up around the beginning of this year. Uh, all of our products are laser engraved wood, including the boxes. All the games uh, will play uh, four, three, four, or five people. And they all will go in an hour or less. We have games on various themes, from octopus wrestling to railroads to getting the ducks. <laughs> um, we have an oriental theme game called Yangtze. And we also uh, make a word game called Cambridge. And we uh, make the Peace Pack, uh, the Peace Pack system in uh, birch, oak, and plastic as well. We have a few new products in the line, like the Dice Tower and a few other accessories coming out as well that feature. So so in your case, which came first, the game or the wood burning? The game came first. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Playing in a convention like Origins, sitting there waiting for an hour for the next railroad game to open up, I said, there's got to be some kind of railroad game you could play in just an hour. So Central, Central Pacific and the first product for the company came out. As a result of that, now are you the designer of all the games? That no, we uh, 
we publish some of my designs. We also uh, have some independent. We currently publish three designs by other folks. Oh wow! And we're open to uh, outside designs. <laughs> now, in terms of the the manufacturing process, how long does it take you to put together? Because the the games are so unique, the manufacturing process is not the same as you know a typical well, it, printed game. It's going to vary. It's going to vary depending on which game because it depends a lot on the components. Okay. But um, it doesn't take as long as you might think, and uh, we make them one at a time. So if you order it. It'll, it'll ship in the next day or two after we make it for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just in time. Uh, and in, uh, in the case of Peace Packs, we even custom engrave your name on it if you want. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Customized games. you got to love that. <laughs> yeah. People have sent us strange things to put on those Peace Packs. <laughs> I <boxes>. imagine. <laughs> Probably so we had to limit it to names, <laughs> not, not, not graphics. <laughs> Excellent. That's yeah. great. Um, do you have any uh, new uh, other games going to come out this year? New well, designs or Taco Judo is our latest game about octopus wrestling that just came out. And before the end of the year, we expect to release um, another ex- set of accessories for uh, like dungeon terrain. Okay. And we have another game in the works called Nepal, which is more of a uh, Euro type game. Okay. In uh, three to five players, probably about an hour. Um, and a pretty pretty decent mechanic for movement and trading. It's pretty ambitious yeah. for your first full year. You've got quite a quite a lineup already. Mm, the pipeline was already full by the <laughs> time we started. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. great. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time and uh, good luck. You're welcome. And we'll uh, hope to see you at uh, future conventions. We hope to be there. <laughs> So if people are interested in uh, buying your games, where can they find them? Uh, they can find them at www.bluepantherllc.com. Okay, great. We're here uh, again at Origins at the Knucklebones Magazine booth, and we're talking to Joe Jones. And Joe, uh, I know our listeners already know about Knucklebones because we've mentioned it before, but what can you tell us about Knucklebones for those who might be uh, new to the magazine and uh, just anything you want to tell us about stuff coming up new for knuckle bones okay great well first of all i will tell you knuckle bones is the publication for the people who love games games of all types but we are really focused more on board games and on family games and that type of thing but we cover all areas of games and right now we seem to be the only publication that's doing that in that market and we love it we started with the publication uh three years ago it will be three years in september and the reason we started it is because we've been game people all of our life. And uh, I, I hate to say this, but my wife and I have been playing games for uh, almost 40 years. Not that we're that old, but I mean when we were kids. We were but you started when you were two or three yeah. years old. That's exactly, exactly right. And, and, uh, and we've continued to do that. We play right now. We play backgammon every day. We play all of the games that you see around here. We've tried them all, and, and, and a lot of them are, we're hooked on. Right now I happen to be hooked on... Uh, 10 Days in Africa. Uh, that is uh, such a fun game. We've heard wonderful things. Yeah, about that. it's really good, and it's a quick learning game. And, and in fact, my son is here doing doing an article on uh, on games that are that are good for homeschoolers and and uh, and learning games. Right. And that that happens to be one right now. That's a great game to learn geography. Uh. And it's good for me. I'm amazed at how many things I've learned from the game. <laughs> so uh, what's happening with Knucklebones right now is Knucklebones is expanding dramatically in a variety of ways. Uh, when some of the other publications went out, we have absorbed their circulation, so we've done a lot of that. We're expanding in, on our newsstand presence, especially in the Barnes & Noble area. But what's most exciting for us 
is we're working right now on a on a partnership with Ralston Carina. Not because of the dog food, but because, <laughs> because of the cereal. You had me worried there. Yeah. Uh, they do, as you know, they do uh, a lot of cereal. They'll do corn flakes, and they do all of the Czech cereals. Corn checks and rice checks and wheat checks and a variety of other things, raisin bran and all that stuff. But they also do private labels for these. So when you walk into a grocery store and you see, I don't know what you have in your area, but like for us, we have roundies. And you see uh, roundies, square-shaped corn cereal, that's really corn checks under the roundies name. Okay. On the back of every one of these private labels, they have information. They have little contests and things that really weren't very good. So we went to them and said, look, let us put something together for you to make this really fun. So we're putting together some game trivia. Oh, that's and a great some idea. and some questions and answers and some maybe something that'll drive them to our website to find the answer. So knuckle bones is going to be on everybody's breakfast table, and this <laughs> is going to happen probably sometime in September when we're going to come out with this. It'll give us huge circulation and it'll open up the game, the whole game area to a lot of people who haven't been exposed to it before. Right. And of course, once they get that, they have an opportunity to get a copy of Knuckle Bones free. So that's a $6 value, and a box of cereal costs for 3 bucks. are going to be happy people. Right. Right. So there's a lot of exciting things happen, and we're, we're continuing to try to cover all areas of games. There seems to be a big interest right now that people want to know about the collectability of games. And so we're going to expand into that area a little bit more. We were just talking to somebody here who happens to be one of the professors at Syracuse University who's got a big game area. And... Um, uh, Bruce Whitehill, the big game hunter, is right. really strong in the collectability. So we're going to expand more into that because I know that's an area that people want to know a lot more about. And what we really like to cover, everybody knows about the games that are sold in the big box stores. We are out there telling people about the games that are not necessarily the big box games, but the games that are really fun. And that, let, me, let me put it to you this way. It's a little bit like... Uh, the people who read books and only know the bestsellers because that's all that's on the Times bestseller list. But right. there's so many good books out there. <laughs> well, it's the same with games. There are so many great games out there. And unless they are marketed by, by the big guys or by, by the big box companies, a lot of people don't know them. Right. But those are the games that we really cover and we really that's tell people a lot about. <laughs> but then we go back into the games that everybody does know. And, well, like on this this issue, for example, we're talking about the history of Partizzi. Excellent. Which is uh, a great we, article I've read. Oh, it's... thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So we we do those kinds of things. We've just got a lot of great things going on. And and uh, we're into this for the long haul, and we're looking forward to covering a lot more things. The other thing I would like to say, if anybody has any if anything that they would like to see covered, all they need to do is just send us an email. Go to our website, kbones.com. Okay. Send us an email. Tell us, you'd like more information about this. And that oftentimes gives us an idea to say, oh, okay, this is the kind of thing we need to, we need to be covering. So that's, that's kind of the kind of thing we've got going on. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, you pretty much took the words right out of our mouth. Our goal with our show is very similar to yours and exposing people to the widest variety and possibility of games out there and, and letting people know how big and wide that world of games is. And we certainly appreciate the service that you do to the game community and, and kind of opening that world up in a, in a different way exactly. in, in the print medium mm-hmm. as well. So and Together, we reach great markets. Yes. Together, yes. you reach a market we don't reach, and we reach a market you don't reach, and together we help to expand the entire industry, and that's right. part of our goal. 
Yeah. And, and our goal is also to have fun. And we do that. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun. That's a good byproduct. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's one of the reasons I'm in it. I'm in it because I, I love it. I love games, and I always have loved games. Well, thanks for taking uh, some of your time out to talk to us today. That was excellent. Oh, I'm great you guys came by, and if we can help you in any way, we're there to help you guys. Whatever we can do to help promote your your uh, your, your webcast, you let us know. We're, we're there to help you, too, because we benefit each other, and we grow together. And, uh, and for your listeners, anything that they want to know, they can contact you, they can contact us, and we'll see what we can do to get the information out to them. Okay, great. Well, check them out at kbones.com. Great. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Carlos Hernandez from St. Louis, Missouri, and I listen to this field. So we are here with Richard Borg. Thank you very much for uh, joining us here on the spiel. Um, we're at Origins 2007, and he's agreed to sit down and talk to us for just a little bit. Right in the noisy room. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, we thought we'd stick. We know you're you have such a great illustrious history with past board gaming uh, design and, and credits. We stick to more recent your more recent ventures. Uh, my questions have to do with uh, Stonehenge. Okay. And uh, you're, the process of trying to design a game with five other designers involved in the design process, how is that different from going about it when it's just you working on your own? Um, actually, Stonehenge is an interesting concept because uh, it's not too unlike some of the past projects I've had to do with other companies. Um, it's always a challenge that you when you have a set number of components or pieces or even a rule mechanic that you have to work with and then develop a game around it. Um, Stonehenge was not unlike a couple other times that I've had to work in that kind of venue. Um, once I had to do that for Pressman Toy, um, they actually had a game in-house that uh, some of you folks might know. It's uh, Mutant Chronicles Siege of the Citadel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that game basically... Uh, came into Pressman Toy from Target. Um, it was just around the time of Hero Quest and some of these other games that other companies were doing. Okay. Target proposed it to them, and they said, "Wow, this is a great game. We'd like to do it. It's got a lot of cool minis and things like that." Um, but uh, we don't understand it. But I had been working with them on some of the X Men games, and they sent the they sent the game down to me and said, "Could you make this uh, a game that?" Our, cons- our customers could understand because it was way too. Co- it was a hobby market type game, so I could do anything I wanted, but I couldn't change the number of dice. I couldn't change the number of cards. I couldn't change the number of pages in the rule book. I couldn't change what dice were in the. Or I could change what dice were, but I couldn't change a lot. Of- and and they said, could you have it by the end of the month? You know, so <laughs> so Stonehenge is similar to that um, in that you know. Uh, Mike Selker set out and said, okay, fine, we've got a concept. This is what it's built around. He said, what does everybody want as far as components in the game? We know we need a game board. We know we need some components. Um, and after we talked a little bit, I actually sent him a couple decks of cards and said, how about these cards? Hmm. And uh, him and, uh, oh, I guess uh, Richard Garfield and, and uh, oh, the other guys involved said, okay, well, we would like maybe this. And so it was kind of a, we kind of actually had a consensus of the whole group of what we think we should have had in the game. 
Okay. Um, it wasn't just like, all right, somebody said you're going to have 24 cards and this beads and this is two dice and all this. It was more or less, this is a concept, what would everybody maybe need and try to get together before we actually set the parameters of what you had to have. And what so it was set, <laughs> then, it was, then it was like, we don't want to change that too much. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, and actually it was, the, the, everybody was kind of assigned a little task. I had a little war game thing and, and Mike did a, I think a chariot type. And everybody had a little different venue was kind of the parameters we gave to everybody. And then we went out and developed our own games. And so it was fun. It was, it's actually a lot of fun. And I think it's kind of an open uh, forum is they're asking other people to submit, you know, their games yeah, to the right. website. Yeah. And uh, they're going to publish them on the website. So it's, it's really cool. Now, I have to say this. With a limited amount of component pieces and, and things like that, you can't really... None of these games are going to be Game of the Year in Germany or here at Origins or anything. Yeah. The whole thing together is such a unique idea that the whole product could win an award. Kind of a gestalt to to (laughs) it, yeah. It could win an award. But individually, they're all fun games, but individually, none of them is, you know, Game of the Year type potential or... Origins award type potential, and you think that's because of the constraints of having oh, of having the small less components, right? And and, that, and also one of the other constraints is that we wanted the games to play in about twenty minutes. So uh, yeah, you know, that's a that, huge constraint right yeah, there. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so you don't sit down and play one game; you can sit down and play three games in the normal time it play, takes you to play a year. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's where we were at. Okay, well, I have a couple questions about Battleborn. Sure. So the first is. Um, Obviously, with all the expansions and stuff that's coming out for Battleborn, yes. how much are you involved? Did you kind of just create the base game and then say, fly, be free, you guys, or are you in on every detail of all these expansions that are slated to come out over the next several years? Actually, we start working on Battleborn probably around 1999, okay. so it's been around in my game group for quite a while. Okay. Um, it's... Over those years and stuff, it was it was actually this year before Days of Wonder and I, I went into contract on Memoir that they had come to my home in Orlando, Florida to talk to me about Battle Cry and some other concepts that they had. And I showed them what we what we were calling Battle Lore back then, the the concept with miniatures and all the fantasy figures. And I have a lot of fantasy figures, and the guys I game with have a lot of... We're a lot of ex-Games Workshop guys and stuff (laughs) like that, so we've been playing with all their fantasy stuff for a long time. And uh, so these guys were just looking there, and they're 30 years old plus, and they're looking for something else. So I said, hey, well, why don't we try this Battlelord system that I've got worked out with fantasy? And so we did that. So Days of Wonder, when they saw that, said, oh, my God, this is just what we're looking for, because Eric and Mark and... And even Pierre and uh, Jan and stuff like that, all the guys at Days of Wonder all come from the D&D background. They were big D&D players. And I think they all wanted to create this massive D&D type world game, (laughs) but call it their own. Okay, so they said, this is perfect, but because they didn't really have a lot of experience, I think, in production of miniatures and things like that, they said, well, 
And besides that, they had already an in with the French government that the French government was saying, hey, if you guys can come up with a 60th anniversary of the battle uh, D-Day and stuff like that, you know, memoirs. So that's where we got into memoir first. And then they said, with that experience, now we're going to take and leverage that into all the stuff that we can do with Battle Lord. Uh And Battle Lord, well, you know how many pieces are in Battle Lord. It's huge. Yeah. So, okay. So to... I'm sorry I went around there, no, but no, no. to answer your question is, everything that you're seeing in Battlelore pretty much is mine. Okay, you know? great. Plus, there's lots more of that of mine over five years of development. We played with Undead, we played with dwarves and cannons and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, and that's all ready to come, but we can't release it all at the same time would just be way too much. So it's more as if you've just parceled it out uh, in smaller chunks. And and I think that that's I, I believe that's what the consumer wants because if, yeah. if he would offer everything to everybody it just would be overwhelming. Yeah. And I think there, Days of Wonder has done a wonderful job of, of releasing things in a timely fashion. The four expansions that are coming out now with all the goblin marauders, the goblin skirmishers and the Dwarven Battalions and Hundred Years' War fit the bill for a lot of different people. If you want to play historical, buy the Hundred Years' War stuff, because there's six, five historical battles in that. If you want to play fantasy, the Dwarf stuff, I mean, you can field whole Dwarf armies or whole Goblin armies with the other two expansions and have a heck of a time. So, and like I said, there's lots of other things coming down the pike there, and... Uh, but that's not to take anything away from the memoir, too, but because we're still working on memoir. Yeah. So talking about um, memoir, your your command card system, since yes. it's been so popular in so many games, do you have even more avenues that you sure. are interested in? Yeah, actually, a lot of the things that we've, we've done with the uh, commands and colors quote system, with the command cards and dice taking care of battling, um, we've played lots of other historical and fantasy and even sci-fi fantasy battles um, it's just that right now the timing isn't probably right for some of those and you don't want to flood the market I mean I don't want to flood the market with the stuff either yeah. because if I had other things coming down the pike you know, or in competition I almost compete with myself yeah it dilutes the interest <laughs> yeah. and, and although I mean my game group there's guys in there that love Napoleonics there's guys in there that love American Rev we play those games there's guys in there that like our dark future type of game. It's actually not dark, it's bright. I mean, we call it, hey, it's bright, it's fun, it blows things up. It's, you know, we're having a great time with it. And yet, is it right to release it right on top of Battler? Nah, probably not. We're, we're holding off. And Days of Wonder is definitely interested in a lot of those projects, so you can expect that same quality if, if they're yeah. involved in any of that stuff. Well, they, they've done well by by you so far, I would say. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Well, we know you're busy and you've got things to do, so we really appreciate you taking a few minutes of your time. Well, to, thank you very much. To answer some of our uh, listeners' questions. Sure. And thanks for all your work. We enjoy your games a lot. Well, good. Very thank much. you. All right. <laughs> thanks. Good. This is Brian Strange from Versailles, Kentucky, and I'd like to congratulate you on your one-year anniversary. And uh, listen to your show all the time, and I hope you have many, many more.
I am here at uh, Bent Castle Workshops booth with Kevin DeVico. Uh, you might recognize Bent Castle Workshops from uh, Scallywags, which we've mentioned uh, before in the past. It's a pirate-themed uh, game, but they have a really new uh, superhero-based game that uh, uh, Kevin's going to tell you all about and other stuff they have coming up. So, Kevin, what's new with Bent Castle? Stephen, thank you for the opportunity to be on the spiel, <laughs> first off. We love what you had to say about Scallywags, and hopefully you'll be equally impressed with Numbers League. It's called Numbers League Adventures and Adaplication. And what that is is that you get to create superhero teams to capture the villains that threaten Infinity City. What we don't tell the kids right off the bat is they get to learn math at the same time. <laughs> Through play, kids learn better than anyone else. And here they got a chance to get their basic math skills sharpened and developed starting at the age of 8 and up through adults. In addition to that, we've got the Infinity Expansion deck for Numbers League coming out this fall. And what that's going to do is add decimals and the concept of division. And it's all going to fit in that one box you get right when you get Numbers League. Um, We also have, for the more piratical (laughs) listener of your podcast, we've got Peg Leg Pete's Deck of Royal Rogues. It is a linen-quality poker-sized card deck with pirate art throughout. And in addition, you get the trademark... Of Bent, Castle, of Bent Castle workshops of the X cards. Now what the X cards are, you get four extra cards in the deck and they got all beautiful sea serpents on it to match our piratical theme. And you can use those cards to replace the tens or in different type of pirate games that we're going to be posting on our site and different types of card games that will be on our site as well. Oh, that sounds really fun. Oh, it's going to be great. And next year it's going to have even more great games and products coming out. We've got <laughs> really a huge push going on and we can't wait to get to all your listeners. I, I love the idea of sneaking math in under the guise of a great game. I, there's nothing I hate worse than those educational games with the capital E. It's so much better when you can design just a really good game, and if it teaches them math skills along the way, so much the better. Exactly, and that's, you know, you've summed it up perfectly. The game is incredibly fun to play for both adults who know math already, so they're, they're not really picking up any skills. They may be sharpening them, but they already know it, and they don't even catch it. They're just having fun playing this game, as well as for kids who are just like, wow, this is so much cool. There's superheroes and supervillains, and i got gadgets I can play with. Yeah. And what's even, even better is that nowhere in the game is there any violence. Mm. So they get to have all the fun of playing superheroes with no violence involved. That sounds great. Well, I'm looking forward to giving that a try here very soon. And, uh, Kevin, thank you very much for your time, and good luck with the Numbers League and the Pirate Deck. Thank you, Stephen, and good luck with the spiel. We look forward to hearing what you have to say about Numbers League. So, Kevin, uh, where can people get your games? Well, all our games are carried at quality hobby stores and game stores throughout the U.S. They can also, if they're having any problems finding it, come online to www.bentcastle.com, and they can get it directly from us as well. Well, thanks, Kevin, for your time. Thank you. So I'm here at the Shifting Skies Games booth with Bo Radakovich, and he has a game called High School Drama that was actually nominated for one of the Origins Awards. Fortunately, the awards didn't go your way last night. Sorry about that, but really interested in your game and your company. What can you tell us about your uh, game? All right, so the game's High School Drama, basically playing a teenager in high school and trying to get your clique to take over the school. Students come in different flavors, like popular kids, artsy kids, jocks, and geeks. Of course, you have to have the gamers. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? And so the object is you're trying to get the most yearbook signatures by senior graduation. That sounds cool. So it's a card game, but it kind of has a little board that you keep track of the score on as right. well? Right, yeah, it's a yearbook, right? So it's supposed to look 
Uh, well, oh, you right. can't, you yeah. can't see it, but if, <laughs> if there's a picture included, you'll see that it looks like a yearbook, right? You've got people scratched out. It's got little BFFs in there and so on. Right? Mm-hmm. So it adds a lot of flavor to the game. It does really well with casual players who like all the role play, trash talking, and banter. But it does have a deeper level of strategy, so it appeals to the traditional gamers also. Mm-hmm. So you can get both people playing it, right? So you can get guys and girls. Uh, it does well with young kids also. Um, oh, that's nice. It, I'd say it's rated teen because it does have some teen dating content, but I've played the game with preteen girls, 8, 10, 12, and they totally understand the game, right? It's, it's the guys that are a little bit slower on picking up the social aspect of it, right? Right, yeah. right. But the mechanics are actually kind of sophisticated for that right. crowd, so it's kind of sneaky. You actually introduce those right. more gamerly mechanics to yeah. people who might not ordinarily exactly. like those kind of games. Right. So, that's, so that's cool. Yeah, people are saying it's a gateway game, right? So usually board game night, you know, the girls come over, and they kind of like wander off and maybe talk to each other or something or read comics or just talk. So here's a game you can actually get them in playing, right? Right. So it's, it's inclusive rather than uh, exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. So is this your first uh, first effort, first game out of the blocks here? Yeah, yeah freshman designer. <laughs> and so I was really, uh, really honored to be nominated for the Origins Award. Yeah, you know, that's I a was, great start, I would yeah, say. I was in there with James Ernest. Uh, he and I are doing the Button Men cross-promotion for high school drama, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, Reiner Knizia, who's, I mean, come on, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve Jackson, who won it last night for Munchkin Impossible, but I mean, we can't talk You're about... You're among good company Yeah, there. exactly, exactly, <laughs> right? So I, I was in there, and uh, that's, that was just a great honor. Uh, well, tell our listeners where they can get your game. Uh, well, we're fully distributed, so you can go to your favorite local game store and pick up the game. Or you can visit my website, shiftingskies.com. If your store doesn't have it, let me know. You can buy it direct, or I can make sure they have a copy of the game on your shelf. Great. Well, it sounds like an awesome gateway game and a great way to get people, maybe in your group, that aren't necessarily gamers, interested in games as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks, Bo, for your time. Thank you so much. So a lot of the games that are already out and games that are even going to be coming out are available at our sponsor, timewellspent.org. They carry a wide selection of import, non-import games, just a very wide, uh, cut a wide swath through the the game world, and you'll find a very good selection of of all the games that we're talking about here at timewellspent.org. Now, they have an interesting sale uh, going on Yeah, they've got a great little sale, and they're calling it the Great Time We All Spent-a-thon, which... um, like you've hinted at, it's kind of like a tip of the hat to the tangathons that we've all become accustomed to. They're going to run them a little bit different. Um, they've found some games in their inventory that they have just a little too many of, and you guys are going to get the profit from this because they're, time. they are way lowering the prices on these. They're going to pick one game. They're going to put it on a, a big, huge big sale, discount sale like two, three, four, five, six bucks. And that's going to stay on sale until it runs out. As soon as that's gone, then bam, they're going to load up a new one. When that's gone, another one. And they're just going to rapid fire these over the next maybe week or two. Right. Um, give them a chance to thin out their, their stock. Let's let you guys make out some great deals. Mm-hmm. I think the first two games in conjunction with this uh, time we all spent a thon uh, are Warriors and Dragon Hordes, okay, cool. which are by Richard Borg and uh, Alan Moon. Alan Moon, exactly. Which great designers and really interesting little fantasy-based card 
uh, game, and I believe those are going for like between three and four dollars. Oh, that's awesome! Which, that's an excellent so, deal. So make sure over the next few weeks that you guys get over to timewellspent.org several times because gives you, you know, a good reason to keep coming back. Yeah, because you know those games are going to change all the time. Um, so check out the time we all spent a thon at at timewellspent.org. Very cool. <laughs> now we have some contest. Uh, business to attend to, of course, because Time Well Spent has been generous enough to do some game giveaways in concert with our show here. So anybody, anybody who participated in the last one will remember that you needed to go to the website and try and recognize this game from a very small little picture, and that act, that game this time was the game Manhattan. Dun dun dun! <laughs> a little tougher than oh, the yeah. last one, um, <laughs> but but it was a past um, Spiel des Jahres winner, mm-hmm. so that was kind of the clue. Um, <laughs> some of you caught on to, and some of you didn't. <laughs> exactly. So, without further ado, we have our origin swag bag Woo-hoo. full of all the lucky entrants. <laughs> yes, we're gonna reach in here. Dave is digging deep in that bag. Woo-hoo. I can hear all those pieces of paper sliding around, pulling out the winner. And the winner is Bo Link. Congratulations, Bo. You are going to win a brand spanking new copy of Zularetto, the Spiel des Jahres winner for 2007. How cool is that? You Excellent. Get the, get the winner. It's actually becoming harder to find, so you're going to have one copy in your hot little hands uh, probably before a lot of people around you just because it's become so popular since it won the award. So congratulations to Bo. Um, now, the new contest is more of a, a solicitation for help than it is a, a contest. Uh, Time Well Spent really carries a, a really interesting wide variety of import games that don't necessarily make it to the American distri- distributor. So these right. are games that are published in Europe but don't have sort of an American equivalent. So you'll, if you order these games, you're going to get an insert with American rules, but the game might, you know, still the cover is going to be in German and it might have a German rule book, but you're going to get an English rule book along with it. And the components are probably language neutral, so you're right. not going to have problems with reading the cards or things like that. But just even in a cursory glance of the Time Well Spent catalog, they have some really interesting off-the-wall titles that you don't see at your run-of-the-mill online or brick-and-mortar retailer. Exactly. Um, just, we're just going to throw out a few titles here and maybe encourage you to, to look at some of these that are even on the Time Well Spent, and then we'll get to the, the little promotion that they're going to run that's going to also net you a free game if you're the lucky awesome. winner. So we just did a quick little search and found things like uh, Flosh and Tufel. That's the bottle imp. little trick-taking game, which looks really cool. Very cool. Um, Then there's Subulata, which is from the Netherlands. And it's a game about grasshoppers with little wooden grasshopper heads that just looks really interesting. (laughs) Sweet. Found a really cool game, Greenland. Um, a Czechoslovakian board game. Brand very new, cool. brand new. It's kind of 2007, cool. yes, yeah, very cool. And then uh, last but not least, there was uh, Los Mumfos from Zotch, which is also a new game. It's kind of cool that they're keeping touch, they're kind of finger on the pulse of new games, right. even overseas. Um, and this game's about feeding hungry, hungry uh, donkeys, <laughs> and it's a little kid's game and has kind of a memory aspect. So um, if any of those sound interesting, go look them up at Time Well Spent. Now here's where here's where you come in, Jared, at timewellspent.org actually wants your help uh, to find more of these kind of hidden gems. So what he wants you to do is over the next few weeks uh, until our next episode, email 
jared at timewellspent.org with suggestions of import titles that you'd like to see them carry. Hidden gems that you might not see in their catalog, but you would like to you know, have the ability to buy that you might not know of any other source to get because they're right. really good at tracking down ways of getting these import games. If you do that, if you actually just send Jared an email, that's all it takes. No real brain buster puzzle this time. You're going to be entered into this drawing of all the emails that he receives, and you're going to receive, I'm going to butcher the name this time, the winner from this little drawing is going to receive Kuchfart zum Teufelsberg, which is a little imported card game that Jared describes as kind of like Werewolf meets Shadows over Camelot. Oh, cool. Which, that sounds really, yeah. really cool. Um, so there's the new drawing from timewellspent.org. Remember, email Jared at Time Well Spent with your import ideas. And thanks very much to Time Well Spent for sponsoring our show. And uh, check them out with all their good deals. Helping them helps us, too. Sweet. Hi, I'm Kevin Rutherford from Perrysburg, Ohio. And I listen to the best podcast for gaming, thespiel.net. So we are here at Origins at the Stratamax Games booth, and we're talking to Max Michael. And Max, uh, what can you tell us about Stratamax Games and the new titles you've got out here uh, this year? Well, we like to think of Stratamax Games as the uh, best business in the self-publishing business. And we have uh, three desktop-published games this year, new again this year. We tried to put out three new ones a year. It about killed us again this year, but we got it done. (laughs) Uh, and we have three titles. We have Wampanoag, about the pilgrims coming into the Wampanoag Nation of uh, Native Americans in Massachusetts. We have Spice Islands, which is about uh, investing in three different merchant companies, or perhaps even the pirates, as you move spices away from the Spice Islands into Europe, uh, part of the Dutch East India Company. And also we have Tammany Hall, which is about dirty, sneaky politics in New York City from 1860 to 1900. Sweet. That one looks really cool. He, uh, he ran us through a little bit of a, a rundown of that one, and it looks really interesting. It is probably the deepest game we've got this year. It has, uh, I describe it as uh, area control on steroids, <laughs> in that you're uh, trying to move your campaign workers in, but also managing the different immigrant populations that come in to get favors from them to turn into votes for election for mayor really cool. Um, you might describe as a self-published game the, the differences maybe between the self-published uh, games and um, you know the uh, what am I looking published for? Published games that, yeah. that probably most of our listeners are used to. Well, we uh, don't have a proper board. We have a uh, laminated uh, piece of heavy, heavy paper uh, and uh, we have generic bits. We'll, we'll have generic plastic ponds, generic plastic cubes, uh, and then our, uh, what we like to think of as world-famous color dice that is in uh, <laughs> every game that we have except Doug's this year. So uh, he has to buy the beer because uh, he's broken the company rule of not using the <laughs> color dice and we're not getting any more out of my garage. Uh, so his game's actually diceless. But for, for us, we use uh, heavy card stock and generic components. It lets us uh, manufacture just in time so that we have to keep a large inventory on hand. And that's an advantage that we see for a very small niche market. Yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't realize that we are neighbors, that uh, right. you're actually based out of Indianapolis here, and we have to come all the way to Columbus, Ohio, to, to discover a game company in our backyards. It's kind of sad, but, but a cool <laughs> cool thing about coming to cons is finding, you know, smaller press game companies like Stratamax. So um, we also, you said that a couple of games are being picked up by uh, Rio Grande. Yes. Uh, later this year... Uh, We'll see Credit Mobilier, uh, which is a railroad building game, uh, building railroads west in America. And uh, that should come out uh, yet this year in 2007. 
and then I hope uh, early 2008 Silver Mountain will come out. And those are two of our earlier designs, so real pleased to have them picked up by Real Grand Games. Mm-hmm. And uh, can't wait to see them in a, in a real box and a real board <laughs> and, a, and uh, in stores everywhere. <laughs> I noticed that there's absolutely no shortage of goober in your games here. <laughs> Goober's kind of our definition of game materials. The bits. <laughs> the bits that you have. Looks like these games just come with truckloads of stuff. <laughs> Well, I try to keep the bits down in the games I design, but uh, Aaron and uh, Doug have absolutely no consideration to the costs of manufacturing, so they think more is better. So, for uh, example, we have 60 purple pilgrim ponds yeah, in the Wampanoag game, yeah. and, and uh, unfortunately, you just might need them all, because uh, if the pilgrims get all the way through Massachusetts, it uses every stinking one of them. So <laughs> wow. we can't really uh, can't go short on the bits. And we really work hard at trying to figure out what is the absolute most, uh, in a worst-case scenario, kind of bit we might need to do. Oh, and we right. put that much in. So that no matter what happens, you'll never run out of uh, that bit. Excellent. So it's, uh, it's a bit generous, but uh, we don't want anyone... Uh, faultiness for, gee, you didn't have enough bits. We uh, we were a little disappointed. Last year we did not put enough uh, beaver pelt black chips in uh, Eric Boya, <laughs> and people obviously scored more points than we did during playtesting, and they're using them all up. So there are better players at that than we are because we didn't get that many chips used and think we needed to put that many in. But You've learned from the beaver pelt scandal of 2006. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, uh, Max, for uh, taking the time out to talk to us today and letting us know a little bit more about your company. And we look forward to giving some of your games a try really, really soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Apparently, everyone has standards. The 19th Hermit. Throughout the last of the moldy cheese. <laughs> Name that gay. <laughs> okay, so we've decided to stop in at the Robot Martini booth here at Origins. We are talking to Gavin Schmidt and Gavin's getting ready to tell us everything you can possibly tell us about Robot Martini. Uh, Robot Martini is a new, um, it's a new game company, game publisher. Uh, we're located in Baltimore, Maryland. We predominantly do everything over the web. We're direct sale, uh, though we're looking to get into retail with our most recent game. Um, we like to think of ourselves as, well, many things, but our, our, currently we have nine games on our website that are what we would consider filler. We'd like to make decent quality, low-cost filler games for people who, gamer or not, want to do something either before a game or during an event that doesn't take up a lot of time, doesn't take a lot of space. And uh, that's really the niche that we've carved out until our our Origins exclusive, our Origins release, which is actually a a larger game, a full-color game that involves dismembering little action figures. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Uh, How can you go wrong with that? Everyone loves it, and uh, it's doing quite well. And um, it's not much can be said except uh, there's nothing like the expression on a little kind of uh, block figure, Lego Man style figure as he gets totally ripped asunder by a shark. <laughs> we actually had a chance to play test this a little earlier. Yeah, and the name of the game is Get Fit. I think we didn't mention that yet. <laughs> and any, any game that comes with six 
plastic robots. How can you go wrong? That you can that? take their arms and legs off. Yes, exactly. and they're fully posable at their knees and their ankles and their wrists, and you can rip them to pieces all over the place. The game only uses the four joints, but <laughs> free to do whatever you want. But, uh, exactly. So that was a very cool game. What other games uh, do you guys have besides Get Bit? Our, uh, our big name games, I guess, the best sellers we've had so far are Jet Setters from Stephen Glenn. He's uh, He was a Spiel des Jahres nominee. I don't think he actually won. He was the designer of Balloon, Balloon Cup. Balloon Cup, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jet Setters is a very simple game that is set collection. And all it is is a simple pick up a card, put it in your hand, put it on top of your stack. But the mechanics are nice and rich underneath of that. I mean, the mechanic itself is very simple, but the strategy and whatnot underneath. Because every card has multiple functions. It determines turn order. For the next round, it determ- determines your point values for the end of the game, determines which set type you're getting, because there are two different layers of sets in it. Um, it's very simple, and we have a lot of success with that one. Everybody loves picking it up, because even if you don't get it, you're still going to actually score some points at the end of the game. No one can really corral you into a zero score. And, um, and it's still pretty straightforward. You always can pick up a card and put it in your pile. Um, What's the, what kind of price ranges are? I noticed you, the black and white. The black and whites games. are all four dollars, except for Stephen's game, which is five. Okay. And the Long Island Project, which is a drinking game that you have to display your own alcohol for. But, uh, <laughs> so it could get game. expensive. It, it, that <laughs> depends on your tab, but uh, in in and of itself, it's only six dollars because it's got a uh, hundred and twenty cards in it. Oh, okay. And it you know, the cards are in three colors: in um, uh, blue, pink, and cream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, that was illustrated by David Lovejoy, who does half of our illustrations. Okay. I do the other half of the illustrations. Okay. Cool. Is your um, I assume the website where you can purchase your games, Robot Martini. It's uh, robotmartini.com, and we're currently totally gutting it, Uh-oh. And completely taking it apart because we did really silly things when we built it, like um, well, requiring membership uh, subscription to not sorry uh, uh, registration to post isn't a problem, but when we put the function for making a post in a subsection of a section that you don't go to when you log in, <laughs> I think we made it's, it a little too difficult for people to actually want to post anything uh, on the site. They comment. <laughs> but uh, in the new site, you log in and it says, write a post right under your, your user icon. So, and uh, that's we do um, all of our sales there, obviously, for the time being. Though, actually, um, here at Origins, we've had an offer from an English distributor to pick up GetBit. Oh, nice. So the UK may be seeing that early next year, maybe for Christmas. We don't know yet. That's preliminary. Um, But otherwise, you'll see everything on the website. And because we're Maryland, unless you're in Maryland, that's the only place you would pay sales tax. Right. Um, Beauty of the Internet. Yes, the joys, until the federal government finds another way to (laughs) mess with it. But um, uh, aside from that, we uh, keep a blog on all our developments, all our game tests. We're still working on this with our designers, but we're trying to really promote them, put them up in the front show their triumphs, their failures, and all the things in between, and try to really make them frontal for the community and the consumer to really talk to. Mm. And say, by golly, your game was crap, and this is why. (laughs) And I love that. First day we launched, somebody said, I hate your cards. They look like clip art. And I said, thank you. (laughs) And then I said, well, I don't agree with that, but I'll I'll try to to find a better way in the next game. And, And he still flamed us a couple times, but it was fun. So, um, and aside from that, the website also uh, will have um, a message board system. We use, you know, basic web 2.0 tagging and whatnot, so you can go and dig through all the uh, 
subordinate information on the site. Um, and also, we have a lot of free games that we're slowly getting online. We, we're trying to offer one a month, and as much like everything else we were doing, we released 10 games in four months in our for sale, and we released wow. three games for free. And we kind of burnt out, and we haven't that been able to keep up with that. Ambitious. It's what everyone says. We could have done it if we didn't have quality control. That's <laughs> <laughs> that small thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the free games, the free games, the quality control, it's there, but they're free, and people are encouraged to say it didn't work, <laughs> and let us know so that we can then fuss with it. Right. That's really the purpose of it. And but you know they're up there, and sometimes it's just game parts. We have extra artwork. Um, DHV, which is a fighting game that we built, where all the rules are on the cards, or at least most of the rules are on the cards, and you don't have to look into a rule book for the most part to play the game. It doesn't it doesn't grab people because again it's we're young and not a lot of people know this, and it is these the inexpensive games are cheap. They are black and white printing on colored card stock. They're not like our full production. They don't shuffle per for well for very long. Yeah. They're going to wear out after a couple of months of intense play. But we can offer a lot of free expansions to those things for people who do want them. It doesn't cost us anything except some art time and some development time on the website. And we've got our first one up. It's uh, David Copperbolt, which is <laughs> a half Frankenstein, half David Copperfield fighter who has magic tricks that he uses to beat the crap out of Helen Keller or <laughs> Albert Einstein or Abraham Lincoln and it's kind of up to whatever decks you have and, uh, and things like that we can offer these expansions um, also as contests to the con to the people in our community and the community can say hey we'll, we'll call open on a poll hey what what names do you want for the next one and give us five card names that you want and we go out and we have a vote everybody pulls it in and actually the David Copperbolt expansion was one of those we only got three votes but that was <laughs> well, that was a little too early to start with voting on expansion products but you know. yeah now you said you put out ten games what's your like for the forecast for the new year you okay. think you'll be that ambitious or, or how many games not until we start selling some well no that, to be fair everyone I talk to says we're ridiculous because we sold very, very well for a company that has absolutely no name recognition. Has We don't even advertise on the web, really. I mean, we participate in some website, uh, Cross Pollination. We did some giveaways on Board Game News and things like that. But aside from spraying graffiti all over, well, <laughs> hmm, let's edit that out. I yes. say legally? Uh... Uh, <laughs> Knowing people who put our name in places like New York City and D.C. and Baltimore <laughs> and whatnot, in stickers and whatnot. And he can neither confirm nor deny these yes. outrageous allegations. Well, some of those people also disappeared. We were working with, uh, we did a little thing with Zumbot, and he never, like, returned. Maybe he's in, like, Jessup in jail in Maryland or something. I don't know. He never talked to me again. But um, Aside from that, though, we really don't do a lot of advertising we aren't really a wealthy company. I mean, we're, we're running off of the finance of most of the officers there. And it's a personal investment from everyone, which is fine. They're, we're all willing to do it. We enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. We're trying to establish that as a reasonable career path. So, uh, but, I mean, there are limitations. So I'd say, based on the prototypes we'll see this weekend, probably no more than four black and white games by the end of December. And uh, color games, you might see one. We're working on two different color games that may not come out this year, but one is called Acid Cowboy, which um, is kind of a werewolf-style psychology game where you're trying to figure out who is your friend and who is your enemy, except in this case, you're trying to find 
who is real and who is a hallucination? And more importantly, who is actually trying to kill you, hallucination or not? And um, it'll, that might be a full-color game if we get it working. We've gone through a couple of revisions. It's not quite there yet. And the other game we've worked on for years, way back in the day when we were very silly boys playing rocks, paper, scissors with, you know, and that was a good game to us. Well, we were working on a game called Bladed, which is a highly customizable fighting game that gets rid of stupid dice and stupid, oh, I could play any card and it just as likely to either win or lose as the next one, as I've played with way too many fighting games where you have no way of knowing. Everything everything you play has a consequence that you can will you can still have, you have options on the next card play, but it's consequential based on the previous card play, and then itself has consequences farther on. It's all based on real sword fighting, which I have some experience in. I did a lot of kenjutsu and jujitsu when I was uh, a little younger. <laughs> a lot of my friends like to cut themselves with swords, so uh, we've been working on this for ages, and, and it's really an issue of whether we can get artwork done for it in the next couple months, which probably not. You'll probably see that one more in February. Yeah. But, um, at, least, at least three black and white games in the next in the next couple of months, and there are likely a number of downloadable games on the website. Um, actually, the biggest downloadable game we're doing is, is these things uh, I'm holding here is uh, basically a little piece of propaganda. It's got our website address on it, and a little foldable paper robot <laughs> that you can cut out with scissors and use uh, and using tape, just tape it together, and it makes a little, basically like a little box. It has little flappy arms on the side, um, and we're, I know a number of artists, I'm from the arts community. Um, and we're getting, we're trying to pump these things because they're very easy to make. We're just making flat artwork, and then you can download them and print them on your own. And we have a game for it that again is free. Just download all this stuff, cut it up yourself. You can love it, hate it, whatever. It's a piece of printer paper and toner, really. Right. Um, but we're, this is something we can do a lot of very quickly, in a lot of different styles, and we can make different games for it over time. And not even a lot of time because it's free and it's just flat artwork that you then construct into three-dimensional models. Right. So, and if you have a handful of dice, you can play the game. I mean, it's designed to really... The, the core game we're launching is designed to play with any dice you have to add. As long as you have four different color dice, you can play the game. <laughs> I think we got that covered. Yeah, yeah. And I think most gamers do. <laughs> and they don't even have to be D6s. They can be anything. That's the, the way the game is designed. Oh, cool. they different okay. colors, you can use them. Okay. So you can even get away with three colors per person. So. Excellent. And uh, that's that's where we're going with the free games right now because it's easy to crank out. Right. Um, but aside from that, that's uh, that's really what we're working on. Right now. And, uh, okay. Well, thank you for thanks uh, very much, for Gavin. Time with us and good luck with uh, Get Bit. I think it sounds like that's gonna that game's gonna take off a lot. Well, like I said, we've uh, we've heard from England, and that's that's a good first start. Exactly. And uh, if we keep bringing couches to conventions, I think uh, <laughs> I think the couch sold us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the giant falling over billboard behind us made out of spray paint and cardboard. Uh, I think uh, I think we'll keep getting some good traffic for all these kind of things. So remember, it's uh, robotmartini.com. Check them out. Hi, this is Greg Lamb from Paradise Games, creator of. Chopstick Dexterity Mega Challenge 3000 and Marvin Marvel's Marvelous Marble Machine. And I'm here with the Spiel guys and we're waiting for our German food. It, hope, it promises to be good. We'll see. <laughs> so day two at Origins has come almost... 
to an end. <laughs> Technically, we're on day three, but we yeah. won't talk about that. <laughs> it's been a very late night, but a very fun night. We've uh, played uh, games until the wee hours of the morning with a lot of listeners and uh, some fellow podcasters and have had a blast. But we thought we'd give you a wrap-up on uh, our day two impressions of, of Origins here. So, Dave, haul forth. You, you go first. Cool. Well, uh, day number two, I'm kind of an early riser. So I got up early this morning, decided I'd go down and partake of some breakfast and was uh, pleasantly surprised that I was seated next to um, Alan Moon, Richard Borg, and Michael Gray, Michael Gray all um, great game designers that I'm sure you're familiar with. So um, Michael Gray did the Omega Virus that you <laughs> might remember on a Spiel episode, among other things. He's done some other great games. Exactly. But. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, and then when I finished breakfast, went back up. Uh, Rouse Steven out of the rack so we could go down and start our day, which um, this was our big day where we were actually sitting in on the podcasting panel that yes. um, Scott Nicholson um, organized and invited us to be in. Yes, and, and he did an excellent job moderating. We had, It was very well attended. I'd say we probably had 50, yes, it was, maybe it was 50 excellent. people yeah. there, and it was interesting. We had almost as many podcasters as, as podcast listeners. Right. From different uh, podcasts, um, game and otherwise, right. comics and all sorts of other things. So it was, it was just a good time and really interesting conversation. A lot of uh, listener questions that were interesting. I think um, the Vintage Gamer actually, uh, the Vintage Gamer podcast actually did a recording of the uh, panel. Right, and, and I, I think I it's think Tom be, was too. Oh yeah, but I think it's actually going to be posted on the vintage oh, game. Okay, they were talking about doing it there. Excellent. So we will post a link to that uh, audio information, so that if you're interested in hearing what we had to say at this at this panel, you actually can listen to to us goofballs <laughs> all talking about podcasting and and, ha- and answering some really funny. It, it fun was a lot questions. of fun because it was um, board games with Scott. Yes. That's Scott Nichols in there. Obviously, Stephen and I. Then you had Tom, um, Vassal. Tom Vassal and Sam yes. from the Dice Tower. Then you, um, I can't um, remember. Mark and Jay. Mark and Jay from um, the, the Metagamers. Metagamers. So um, there was us, us, and then in the audience, there were several other gaming podcasts, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a surprising amount of non-game podcasters, too, which was right. really cool. <laughs> and a ton of listeners <laughs> yeah, yeah. as well. So uh, just thanks again to, to Scott Nicholson for organizing this and inviting us. He's actually the reason we came to Origins. Absolutely. He, he invited us to this uh, panel, and, and we managed to get media passes to, to the um, con and thought, you know, this would be a great way to increase exposure. And we got a lot of questions, and I think we'll hopefully get a lot of new listeners from right. uh, from our little time here in Columbus so so it went very well I couldn't be more pleased yeah, it, with how yeah, it was it was a lot of fun <laughs> and then I think we uh, we finally after two days I can't believe it took us this long yes that's we true. finally made it to the auction so Stephen and I went in and purchased a little a bidding paddle each we kind of tooled around there for a while watched a few things uh, get put up for auction because they were doing family games family and games, games right. in the afternoon on Saturday so we so took a special it, interest in that. Absolutely. Of so, what um, if if you're not familiar with the auctions? There's usually a store associated with the auction where they um, a lot of games just start off there. Other games that go up for auction and actually aren't bid on actually trickle down into the store, and you can just go over and buy those. So we went in there while searched around, and I think Stephen picked up three really cool little <laughs> yeah, things. I was the bad one this time. Usually it's Dave who gets in trouble at the auction, but I found some really cool 
older vintage style you know not not vintage as in antique but right. just really cool we'll, we'll definitely be covering them on the back yeah. shelf uh, spotlight you'll, you'll see them pop them. up in the list here in the next uh, week or so <laughs> um, so that that's something to look forward to sort of tease you a little bit about those <laughs> Um, then what else did we do? Oh, we check, checked out the art show. Right. Which was, you know, as with everything here at Origins, a little bit smaller in scale than things like Gen Con, but really interesting, talented artists. Right. Fantasy, science fiction, and, and otherwise. So we tooled around there for a bit and uh, then headed back into the uh, dealer's room for another round of looking at game demos and, and trying to uh, acquire some interviews. But I think the highlight of to me, of the day was actually getting to go out to eat with uh, some of the listeners and then playing board games with a bunch of listeners uh, tonight. So yeah, we went out went out to a local German uh, restaurant that was fabulous, Schmidt's Sausage House, I e- think is the exactly. name. Exactly. So we got to do that. Had a great time. Home of the half pound cream puff. Yeah, and it, <laughs> exactly. We it, two of them fed all of us. Yes, crazy. <laughs> So that that was a blast. Yeah, we had uh, Greg Lamb, who uh, was a listener, and it was the designer of Marvin Mar. Oh gosh, Marvin Marvel. Marvel's marvelous Marvel Machine. Woohoo! Good job. <laughs> and uh, of Paradise Games, so he was here at Origins and and graciously wanted to to spend some time with us. So it was really fun to get to know Greg and. Um, have some schnitzel with him, and then Carlos Hernandez also joined us, and we had a really great conversation and just a really rousing good time with with Carlos and Greg. So thanks to them for letting us kidnap them for a few hours and, that, and have a good time. Excellent. And then we came back, and then it was game time. Oh baby. yeah, yeah. We exactly put the recorders down and <laughs> took the gloves off and put the dice on the table. A good six seven hours of solid gaming and. <laughs> Stephen and I had thought about this a couple of days ago. We thought it would be a blast to challenge any listeners that wanted to take us on in some games. And if they beat us, then they would get the, a pair of Spiel dice. <laughs> so we had a blast. We actually we were holding our own pretty good for a oh, while. Yeah, yeah. The, the Spiel dice were tough to come by. Yeah. But as the uh, night got later and later, I think we, we just kind of wore sleep. out. Well, actually, I think what it oh, is. Oh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing, both of us, and then I went off to do a demo of uh, Pizza Box Baseball with the, the designer uh, prototype copy of that, which was a, a blast, and I'm sure we'll cover that in a future episode at some point. Uh, but so I left Dave to defend the fort all alone, and of course, a four-player four game of Zularetto, so it was three on one. <laughs> And uh, all I can hear is, I can't believe I lost the dice from across the, the gaming hall. It was, it was by one point. <laughs> and who do you think won the game? Of course. We have to give him a new nickname now, yeah, I think. Mark yeah. the Cheater Wilder. Exactly. <laughs> so not only did he beat us in all of our games the night before, but he won the first pair of Spiel Dice by beating <laughs> by one point by defeating me in Zularetto. <laughs> So, you know, he was a little miffed that we didn't have the dice the night before, so he had to come back to defend his title, I guess. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, I think the final game uh, was uh, you and I and Carlos and Brian, and Brian Strange. Strange. And we all sat down and played a really fun game of... Um, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Classic little card game. I haven't yes. played for a very long time. Yeah, we should put that on the back shelf sometimes yeah. because that's a game people yeah. should know about. That was a fun little game, and our final pair of Spiel Dice went uh, to Brian Strange. Again, by one stupid pizza one ingredient. Point. <laughs> Killed me. So congratulations to Mark and Brian for ousting the last two pairs of the current run of 
uh, spiel dice, there will be new colors and maybe a little bit of a new design when cool. the new ones come out, when we're, we're back from our, our little summer <laughs> respite here. So uh, that's how our day ended. Uh, let's talk maybe overall impressions here before we call, call it a call it a day and call it a con here. Uh, Dave, what, what's your general impression of Origins well, here? Uh, I would say we always call um, Gen Con in our backyard. Mm-hmm. I think I, without a doubt, am going to start considering Columbus and Origins in our backyard now, too, <laughs> because this was a blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people aren't different. They're still gamers, and they're just awesome to hang yeah. around with. It's a great time. The con is physically smaller, so it affords you uh, some privileges that you don't get in in, in yes. Gen Con. Yes. Um, in that, it's easier to play test games. Um, the board gaming things are more accessible in the board gaming rooms, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps it, even slightly a larger emphasis on board gaming absolutely. at Origins. I right. Think, than, I would agree. Than Gen Con. Which we'll, you know, we'll, you'll never hear a complaint from us about that. <laughs> no, yeah, there was um, at least four complete, separate, very, very large rooms that was that were nothing Dedicated but to board, board gaming, which was great. Mm-hmm. I would say you know just the community, the sense of community, like you said, uh-huh. is easily transported. Whether you're in you know uh, Dallas for Board Game Geek Con or. Gen Con in Indianapolis or here in Origins, that, that sense of camaraderie and it, not intimacy isn't the right word because it's still a large group of people, but, you know, there's definitely a sense of camaraderie amongst, you know, the group of people here who are all gathered to, to play games <laughs> and enjoy themselves for a few days, and I enjoyed that probably as as much as anything. Right. Um, and getting to meet, you know, our fellow brethren podcasters, too. I thought that was, we got to play a, a game of Railroad Dice with Scott Nicholson from Board Games with Scott. It was, that was very long, fun. Or not long, but it's an out-of-print dice game that Dave is totally salivating over and saying, man, i got to figure out how yeah. to find a copy of that I now. think I think Scott did that on purpose. Yeah. He knew he wanted to pl- um, force me to play a game that he knew I probably couldn't get that had dice in it. Like, ah! Yep, yep. He was there, kilt and all, and, and <laughs> it's just as goofy and real life as he is on his uh, video podcast i definitely encourage you to check out board games with scott if yeah. you haven't checked it out before um just a really fun time right uh you know i would encourage anyone if you've got the time and the budget to do uh, origins or gen con neither you know it shouldn't it doesn't have to be an either or unless it's just budget requirements right. you're going to have fun at either one you might actually get a little more gaming in here at Origins, just because right. of the size. Yeah, I would um, say th- those are the two trade-offs. Come to Origins and play many, many more games. Go to Gen Con and probably have a few more vendors yes. um, at You'll Gen be exposed Con. to maybe a wider variety right. of games exactly. at Gen Con. And that's really the, the, the only major trade-off you're mm-hmm. going to have between the two things. But right. Not sorry we came at all. I'm very glad no. we, we were provided with the excuse to come and... Uh, I hope maybe we'll be back in future years. You know, if if budget and, and support exactly. <laughs> hold strong, I think it would be fun to make Origins. I, a, I can't you know, imagine not coming here every year. It was a blast. Cool. Well, I think it's time to go to sleep. Sleep would be sleep good. Sleep it off <laughs> and get ready for our Excellent. summer vacation and then get ready for Gen Con after that. So, <laughs> Sweet. Good night. So for those of you who might not have listened to episode 32, you might not be aware that 
We're taking a little bit of a summer vacation. Uh, a well-deserved one, I think. Patting ourselves on the back just a little bit. Uh, in two weeks, there will not be an episode of The Spiel, as normally there would be. We're taking this one out. We take one summer break and one winter break, as we're, we're allowed a little time off, too. So there will be a month lag between this episode and the next one, which will come in August. As a result, there's a few little loose ends that we need to tie up so that when we come back in August, rare and to go... Uh, everything will will flow smoothly, so let's just get right to it and get all those loose ends wrapped up. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so first off, I want people to know that there is an MP3. Uh, the MP3 version of the show is now available on iTunes. For the, ah, so you can subscribe you to can it You can actually now. subscribe to the MP3 version of the show Excellent. via iTunes. There was just this dumb little technical glitch that I just could not get iTunes to accept my feed for the MP3 version. Well, I figured it out. Uh, with some help from some listeners, actually, in the okay. past. And uh, we have it all solved, so you can actually subscribe to uh, the MP3 version via iTunes. There's links on the website, all over the place, very easy to find. Um, so I think that should provide a lot of people who don't necessarily have iPods but want to listen to the MP3 version an, an easy way to, to pull that content down as soon as it's available. So there's little item number one. Cool, and I also found out some new cool little tricks with my video iPod. So anybody out there who has a video iPod and is downloading and listening to our enhanced um, podcast can do some really cool little tricks that maybe everybody else knows that I'm just an idiot, or maybe you don't know this, and this is really cool. If while you're listening to our podcast you press the select button, which is the round button in the center, um, successive presses of that take you through different... um, versions of the screen, what the screen looks like. So you're typically used to seeing the bar at the bottom where you see all of our chapters and the little thumbnail of all the pictures that Stephen has inserted into the podcast. Two, one press of that uh, will bring you, I can't remember exactly the number of presses, but if you press that successive times, one of them will fill the screen with the pictures, which is totally, totally awesome. <laughs> so you can just press the center button twice. You'll cycle through some different things, and one of them will be a full-screen version of that thumbnail. You still have full control to advance and fast-forward through the chapters and to control the volume, but now your entire screen will be the picture, which is awesome. And Certainly I Certainly was my intent from the beginning, and I'm hoping most people are actually looking at the enhanced version in that form and not right. tiny little postage Yeah, stamp. I had no idea that you could do that and it's just ultra cool so if you didn't know that and that's with the video ipod you should make exactly so the next time you're listening to the enhanced thing press that center button a couple times and go through the different functions that you can the different ways that you can actually view the screen very cool yep uh so let's see next on the list are the contest uh, wrap-ups that we have. We have a couple cool contests to, to wrap up. <laughs> and we get to we get to claim, you know, episode 32, you know who won the Name That Game uh, contest? We, we did. did. Neener, neener, <laughs> neener. I'm keeping that copy of Rage. <laughs> and, and we're going to post on our site in that thing that the episode 32 winner was us. <laughs> Just to rub it in a little bit. So, Dave, I think you should explain, since you and our friend Mark were responsible for this evil evil puzzle. Uh, so, so this was heinous and very evil. It was a two-parter. If you'll remember, it had a little goofy musical thing that you should have recognized as the Do-Re-Mi song from The Sound of Music, and then it was followed up 
by a little um, verbal clue. Part of a requested response. So this was tough because the first half was do, re, mi. It stopped there, leading you to come up with fa. And we didn't want fa, just F-A. We wanted the sound fa. Right. But then the second half of the clue, part of a requested response, was referring to RSVP or Sivu Play. And in this, we instead of the sound, we wanted the spelling of C, which is S-I-L. So if you mix the fa and the S-I-L, you come up with fossil. fossil. The game was fossil. Pretty tough, pretty sneaky. <laughs> yes, send all your hate mail to Stephen at oh, the hey, net. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking credit for that. They they should write love letters to me because I'm the one with the easy damn puzzles. <laughs> you guys are the ones with the brain herders. <laughs> so um, we we did get a lot of great responses yes, from that, and really a lot creative. of people were super close. They got the fa or they got the sill, but no one put the two together. <laughs> exactly. So unfortunately, no winner for this one. No copy rage for that. But there's a new name that game going, as you already should know. So the and there's two games with that. So you get the it's gonna be copy awesome. of rage and elementalis. So that's pretty cool. Um, on to the back shelf spotlight. We have a connection contest that's been hanging in the balance for here a long for, time for a while. Several people pretty darn close, and I think the winner has to be the one that was was pretty close Painfully to, the, close. to the mark. So uh, the connection was between Adel Verpflichtet and... Balderdash. Balderdash. Um, Dave, again, uh, he's responsible for this uh, connection. So what was the actual connection between the two games okay. that we came up with? This one was just silly. <laughs> and it was just the fact that both of these games somehow involved the word bald. And in Balderdash, it's fairly apparent that it's Balderdash. But in Autoverflicted, if you look at the cover of the box, there's a bald guy on the front of the cover. So they both have balds. Okay, no, stop. Don't quit throwing things. Now, the winner of this one, um, for for sheer volume alone, perhaps, but no, that's not really true. He had, He's always got really creative uh, responses, and this one, he was actually he was really so close. close. Yeah. And he even thought it was probably not even close to the right answer, is Simon w- uh, Wilcock, or Steerpike is his username on the website, from the UK. Uh, so he uh, writes, I'm just going to paraphrase a couple of his really good guesses. Okay. Auto reflected is a race around the board. Some could say a dash, as in balderdash, so the connection is running. Um, here's the one that was really close. Or the connection could be heads. When you lose your hair, you go balder dash, and the French word for head is tet, as in auto reflected. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, that's so darn close. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, he goes on to ask why he tortures himself by continuing to guess. Well, the reason you torture yourself, Simon, is because you might actually win a set exactly. of spiel dice, and you did this time. Congratulations, so congratulations Simon. Simon. Expect a set of spiel dice as soon as our carrier pigeons can make it across exactly. the Atlantic. And uh, you should feel pretty privileged because we're nearing the end first of our run. first print run of spiel dice. Collector's items. Exactly. Mister. So from now on, in a few episodes, we're going to be moving on to the second print run. And you are going to have one of very few sets of the originals. <laughs> so lastly, before we uh, wrap up completely here, we had a couple of mailbag entries that just were definitely uh, worthy of note. Um, we had this one from Torben Vang from Canberra, Australia. 
He says, uh, I really like uh, the idea of your Spiel t-shirts for each segment of the show. We started the Spiel t-shirts. We're actually wearing them right now. Several people have purchased them. Thank you very much for the uh, support. Um, so he goes on to say, he wouldn't normally bothering email just to say that, but he really, really has to ask something about the proposed truckloads of goober t-shirt. <laughs> and I'm sure this is aimed directly at a certain David Colson sitting mm. across from me. He says, well, you know, what's going to come with this shirt? Will it have a bunch of stuff to make it truly a great shirt? Or will it merely just be a good shirt? <laughs> I love the idea of like little pawns or dice being like sewn just, on the shirt or something like that. <laughs> exactly. We'll just we'll supply the shirt. <laughs> and I think you guys should be as creative creative as you can by attaching yeah. various goober to it. And then when we get a chance to meet up, we'll have a little goober contest. Yes, Francie's a pretty good seamstress, so maybe we'll have to post her instructions for how you might add dice or pawns or other game paraphernalia to the uh, truckloads of goober shirt to really make it truly gooberific. Excellent. <laughs> so, great idea, Torben. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Exactly. So, we got a great email from Patrick in Sweden, and he just gives us a little information about Jenseits von Theben, um, something that I really never thought about. He says that the game is actually a German pun on John Steinbach's novel, East of Eden, which in German is actually Jenseits von Eden. Ah. So that, that's pretty cool. I never thought about that. Just kind of a little <laughs> did you know kind of thing. Thank you very much, Patrick. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think we've come to the end uh, oh, you have one more. I, I did have one oh, more. Sorry, I did. I did I have one more. The gun. Yeah, because we can't leave this out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we got a great little email from Ken Whitehurst, who obviously knows that I am a dice addict, <laughs> and he stumbled onto this website called uh, DiceCollector.com. This dude is insane. He has over twenty thousand dice and counting. He's got like a little counter on his page. And his he's got name them. is David Colson. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not me. But he's got these things all cataloged, photographed. I spent hours just going through there. Here's the cool thing. He doesn't sell any of his dice, but he trades. Oh, so nice. if you have something that he needs and you see something that he has multiples of, he is more than willing to trade these off for stuff. And he's got pretty much everything across the board, every type of die that you can imagine. <laughs> but go to this website. We'll put a link in the show notes. But it's DiceCollector.com and just spend <laughs> way too much time perusing the pictures of his dice. Now, you have to admit what you said off air to me, which was <laughs> that you recognized virtually every die in his collection because you own most it, of them Yeah, I'm not well. <laughs> sure if I want to admit to that or not. I knew exactly where almost all those dice <laughs> came from. And I was not surprised in the slightest to hear that. <laughs> but so check that w website out. Thank you very much, Ken, for sending that information. I think that's very cool. <laughs> so I think for real this time, we have actually come to the end of our origin spectacular arama. <laughs> thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Thanks to our sponsor, timewellspent.org, for helping us out. And I hope you enjoyed this show. My name is Stephen Conway. And I'm David Colson. So remember, whether it's the roll of a die, the turn of a card, or the flip of a tile. You don't have to play to win. You, you just have to play.
My name is David Colson, and I'm apparently very boring. <laughs>